All right, everybody, welcome to the live yet delayed edition of the Fresh Takes Podcast of Russell Police. I am Paul Russo. I apologize for that. A um, little bit of a tech issue happens every now and then. It happens. Um, glad you're tuning in, though. No Nick Felice tonight. I was unable to secure a replacement for him, so just me. Uh, hopefully the first and only time this has to happen. But, uh, hey, you know, every now and then um, things happen. It's like the tech issue. So I apologize. Uh, but we have a lot of uh, topics to get to tonight. Uh, a lot to talk about. I'm really excited for Um Tend to always kind of be the case, I guess, with that. Um, anyway, let's take a look at what we got. I apologize for uh, the picture with Nick, or lack of picture with Nick, because he's not here. It's just the TV we got over there. Uh, but uh, we'll get right into it, obviously, with Daytona. Kind of want to get that out of the way. With uh, That's more or less a personal deal for me on that one. Uh uh, if you've watched really any highlights of anything like that over the past 24 hours, uh, you know why. Uh, but it was a really great weekend for that, so we'll discuss everything a little bit there. Um, college Hoops has been a little bit since we talked about that. Um, and kind of, I guess, an idea of, of who we got, who's real, who's fake, whatever, in the college landscape going forward with that. Uh, discuss the NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, new format was a success to a degree, uh, but uh, again, I'll... Talk a little bit about that and kind of uh, how I feel about that. Uh, Wayne Fairwakes Hoops, we final regular season week is upon us with that. Uh, I believe it was the final league game uh, today, or it's final league games you could get in. Um, and then the ever never ending Astro Saga. <laughs> uh, we'll discuss more with about that. Uh, some stuff that's popped up there. Uh, among other things. So bear with me a little bit here. Um, still not fully got everything up that I need to get up and everything like that. But uh, we'll, we'll work through it together and everything like that. So without further ado, first topic, uh, Daytona. Um, NASCAR's biggest weekend. Man, we had a lot of eyes on the sport this weekend for good and bad reasons. Um, you hope that... Um, Obviously, the good outweighs the bad uh, in this case, which it's looking like it will, uh, hopefully. Um, we're going to work a little bit, I guess, backwards and then forward in terms of everything here. Uh, start Friday night with the truck race. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the trucks. I know a lot of people that know me personally know that. Um, that I feel like the trucks usually offer some of the best racing, if not the best racing, over the course of a race weekend. Uh, they lived up to the hype, uh, really, really came close to having the whole package together with that. Um, Grant Infinger won Friday night in the truck race. Um, we had a really near upset finish. Uh, Jordan Anderson, a guy that I've been pulling for for a few years now, uh, independent guy. Um, see a lot more than the lower series and obviously the cup, um, he does it all on his own, usually by offhand, secondhand. Uh, Chevrolet equipment and uh, almost won. Uh, came really close. It was a fantastic finish there. Um, then on Saturday with the Xfinity guys, again, really great racing overall, I thought. Um, congratulations to Noah Gregson, who won. Um, 
the the X-Men race on Saturday. Um, his first career win there. Uh, really excited for him. He's, he has a lot of energy. Uh, I think he's great for the sport. Hopefully um, that continues with him. Uh, drives for Dale Jr.'s team, obviously, so that helps. Um, probably in the in the most um, probably in the most famous car number at the moment, Xfinity in the nine car, with the history there with Chase Elliott and William Byron. Um, among that, that leads us obviously uh, into Sunday and yesterday as well. Um, so first and foremost, uh, I, I think we have to discuss, unfortunately, the downfall of what, what happened uh, yesterday. Um, Ryan Newman, so, so I have to paint the picture, I guess, in a way. We had, a, we had over NASCAR overtime, which I hate. It's not overtime. It's not a time sport, obviously. Um, Green-white checkers, why I always will call it, or overdrive, I think is a pretty stupid pun that I like and what we call it. But, um, so that's what happens. Obviously, like I said, green-white checkered. Um, so what happens there, you get the green flag. Next flag around is the white. And then after that's checker or checker yellow, depending upon obviously what happens. Um, like I said, I'm kind of working through getting some stuff pulled up here and everything like that. Um. In terms of uh, getting the results up for you guys, I want to get it right. Um, so, um, so coming around to take the white flag, you had um, Denny Hamlin in front, uh, pursued by Ryan Blaney and Ryan Newman. Uh, among Corey LaJoy as well, he plays a far, uh, an unfortunate factor in this as well. Um, So on the back stretch, uh, Newman and Blaney get the run, uh, and we're able to overtake Denny going into turn three. Come out of turn four, Ryan Newman's in front. Blaney's now trying to get the lead from him. Makes a move to the outside, gets blocked, makes another move. Coming back to the inside, gets blocked. At that point, Denny Hamlin has a run coming back. Um, and the accident that happens, uh, Bumbers in lock up right. Newman gets turned into the outside wall. Um, that's the for sure side of the track in this instance where you don't want to be heading to anyway. Um, hits the outside wall head first. Uh, more or less really not directly at first. It was at an angle. Um, for sure leaning on the driver's side. Gets airborne. Um, and then we have the unfortunate impact that I've been dreading since I've watched stock car racing uh all day the only way i can fully describe it as the only word you can describe it as right because it was the right set of circumstance right set of scenario the right angle the right spot that caused this unfortunate accident um Coyle joy nowhere to go uh hits newman in the driver's side window area where first off the impact already puts it puts him in a vulnerable spot because he's flipping uh that is you know looking back on it all things considered it, it still is the worst wreck i've ever seen 
Um, the chassis literally broke. The roll cage literally broke. And the moment I knew something was bad was even on the live shot, you saw, or I saw, rather, the windshield was simply destroyed um, at an angle that you just don't want to see. And uh, that moment, I knew, at least impact-wise, it was not good, obviously. Um, in live time, the Fox feed did not have a good... Um, a good camera angle for the wreck. Um, and simply put, um, we had a really bad deal um, happen there. Looking back on it now, I a lot of people want Fox to show whatever. And it, it, no. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, it's not on YouTube. You can find it. Um, I've watched it once only for my own deal where I wanted to see what really happened because, I mean, the car was simply destroyed, man. Um, so, and there are a couple other things, too, to the comment, I guess, viewer that doesn't know that I've probably seen things that I want to clear up a little bit. Um one of the main things I've seen so far and heard so far, and this is more or less happening at ESPN, where they don't they don't really care about racing too much anymore, people. Um, saying that Ryan Newman and Ryan Blaney were teammates. They are not teammates. Newman drives for Ralph Schwenway Racing. Ryan Blaney drives for Team Penske. Um, they do have a technical alliance, but that's it. Not full-fledged teammates, you know, not like if Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton are out there. Um Secondly, uh, you don't blame Denny Hamlin for celebrating. He didn't know uh, at the time what had happened. Um, thirdly, um, while keeping good vibes going for Ryan Newman, you got to keep him going for Corey LaJoy and Ryan Blaney. Um, Corey's talked a little bit about already what happened. He had an interview on Good Morning America today. I saw uh, Blaney's been silent so far. I can't imagine what he's feeling like right now being – Knowing that that he, I don't know how to phrase this really good, but knowing obviously what 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 happened, um, and then I guess this is from a general standpoint with me because I, I I'm a redditor, um, and man, people need to stop worrying about who's going to replace them this weekend at Vegas. Um, as I said, the time I'll worry about who they're replacing at Vegas is will be at 11.59 p.m. Thursday night when um, they'll be on track the next day for practice. Um, good news, obviously, with Newman, um, at least at the moment, good news. Uh, he is awake and talking. Uh, he's in serious condition with non-life-threatening injuries. You know, that being said, truly, though, we aren't we are out of the woods yet. Uh, this has a lot of what I call a feeling of... Um, still dreaded silence. It reminds me a lot of, um, for the indie fan, IndyCar fans out there, they'll know this, uh, with the Robert Wickens deal, um, where they effectively kind of said the same deal, went silent for a while, and then we didn't really, I guess, know after a fact for a couple days what the true severity of it was, which is a spinal injury. Um, 
So obviously with Newman, you hope that um, he can just go about daily life at this point. Um, I got asked today, do you think Newman will race again? You know, I <laughs> it's the perfect example I think to this in all honesty is Neil Bonnet. Um, if you grew up in that era, you know Neil was in a not a similar situation because he didn't flip, but it was a similar impact at Darlington. Um, in Iraq, and simply put, it's with those guys, it's hard to get the itch out of them. Um, that being said, you know, I, I don't know if he'll race again. I don't. Nobody does. I think we have to mainly worry about his own health at the moment. Um, he's got two young girls that he's got to raise, among other things. That being said, let's take a positive note. Denny Hamlin uh officially to me goes in probably not the Mount Rushmore. That's probably the wrong word. But he's making a very strong case to be a, a top five plate or circuit plate racer of all time at this point. Um he is only the fourth NASCAR driver to go back to back Daytona five hundred wins. Um he's won all three of his in the past five years and he joins very exclusive company in winning three Daytona 500 championship uh, races with obviously Petty, who won seven. Uh, but you have Kelly Arborough, Bobby Allison, Jeff Gordon. Um, really, the legendary names of the sport have won this race. Um, more Obviously, more than once, but you get to that three level, and that puts you in thin air in terms of that. And obviously... Uh, I said this today, the fact that we don't consider Denny a good plate racer is absurd. He's got to be the most underrated plate racer. I don't know if you can call him underrated anymore, man. He he is good at Talladega, too. Um, could have won there in the fall. Uh, oddly enough, he was pushing Blaney and Newman there. It's kind of weird, coincidental, ironic, whatever you want to really call it, what happened there. Um Give you guys a brief rundown, a little bit of where everybody ended up. Hamlin first, obviously, with Blaney in second. Second closest 500, or third closest 500 vic, uh, margin of victory ever. Still none lost with that. Uh, Ryan Newman's teammate Chris Busher came in third. He was up there all day. Um, David Reagan, I'm not saying it's going to be his last race. Um, he came in fourth. He is probably one of the guys at the top of their substitute driver list for Roush. He's a former Roush guy. Oddly enough, drew the, drove the six um, for a time with Roush uh, before. Harvick, Kevin Harvick came in fifth. That's your top five. Um, big shout-out to seventh-place guy Brendan Gaughan. Um I'm going to tell you all a little bit about Brendan Gaughan here. He is quite the interesting guy. Um from Vegas, he is part of the famous, at least out there, Gong family. Um, father is Michael, grandfather Jackie. Uh, they currently own the South Point Casino. Uh, they were owners of the Orleans. I think they were involved in like the Golden Nugget at a time. Um, but they're one of the original Vegas families. Um, he went to Georgetown on a scholarship for football, ends up walking on the basketball team. John Thompson effectively makes him Allen Iverson's handler. Um Brendan Gaughan was the guy who would pretty much bully Allen Iverson. <laughs> they roomed together on the road, uh, all that cool stuff. 
Uh, Brendan Gaughan's a really cool, interesting character and sport that doesn't get talked about. Um, maybe one day if I'm up to it, I'll write a book or something like that. But uh, big shout out to him. He's on a swung on season. He's only running the four circuit boat races, so both Daytona races and both Talladega races. Um, so it's really cool to see him doing good, all things considered, even though he is obviously a Georgetown guy. Um, Corey LaJoy came in eighth, um, then Newman in ninth. Kyle Larson rounds out your top 10. Uh, there other big names. Chase Elliott came in 17th. Um, man, I told I was I, I told people uh, all week, Matt, Matt DiBenedetto, he got swept up in the big one. Um, he ended up fishing 19th on a beat-up Wood Brothers car. Um, but then your other main guys, man, uh, rough days, got swept up in wrecks and everything like that. Bush Brothers, Kurt and Kyle, 33rd and 34th. Jimmy Johnson came in 35th. Brad Kozlowski, 36. You have a lot of the heavy hitters down that way, including William Bryan, who came in last. Um, so, interesting stuff there. Pole setter Ricky Stenhouse Jr. came in 20th. He had a big pit road penalty. Also lost his hood at one point as well. That was kind of an interesting spectacle to see uh, as well. So, obviously a lot of stuff to look forward to. Uh, different storylines throughout the year with the with the showing on the rearview mirror with that, um, so it should be interesting and uh, hopefully everybody tunes in a little bit for that. Uh, moving forward, let's move on. Get a uh, get to a couple more happier topics here. Um, college hoops been a little bit been a couple of weeks since we talked about this, um, but uh, let's uh, let's talk there because we finally I'll call it uh, we finally have some stability if you will uh, in college hoops. Um, really, it's in, it's interesting with Baylor. I did not expect if you told me to pick a Big Twelve team this year, I don't think I picked Baylor. I don't even know if I'd pick Kansas to be leading the pack there. But uh, Baylor is, and then there's Kansas in third, at least nationally speaking. You know, I think the main question myself and a lot of other people have is Baylor for real. And I struggle with this a little bit still because, man, the Big 12, they beat up on each other and there's not a ton of deep talent on these teams, you know, once you get outside of Baylor or Kansas even. Um, you know, that being said, you got to take your hat off to the Bears. Um, I don't know if they'll win the title. But you have to, in my opinion, they they got to be your odds-on favorites still at this point. Um, you know, I got to roll with them. They're obviously they're in a tough game right now against Oklahoma on the road in Norman. Um, so obviously, you hope everything ends up well there. You know, then you look at the ACC. You know, where probably most of our favorite teams are side, whether you're Syracuse, Duke, UNC. Um, I don't know if they can rebound at this point, folks. I don't. Um, you know, we got Notre Dame on the bubble. You got Cuse still on the bubble. You know, take a look at the standings here quick. Obviously, unfortunately, you have to write off UNC. I don't mean unfortunately. I'm happy they're gone. You know, Wake Forest, bit of a disappointing year I was expecting a little bit more from them um same with Miami Jim Laranaria tends to always I'd say for sure punch above his own weight class with that team and this year they simply just don't have it you know after really 
starting off really hot. Pittsburgh has cooled off recently. They're especially, at least in conference, terrible on the road. Um, a Virginia Tech team that you'd hope would keep going, you know, making headway, not looking the best there. Um, Georgia Tech, the team that we all thought the, the ACC would be sweeping on, is flooding around there in ninth. I mean, <sighs> like I said, it's or a tenth rattler. It's hard. It, like I said, it's 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 hard. It's hard this morning to gauge where the ACC, if they can rebound, where they will rebound to. I think once you get north of Georgia Tech, you finally get into the bubble teams: Clemson, Notre Dame, BC, and Syracuse. Um, you know, you could make a case. I I think you have to put NC State in the bubble at this point. That's my own personal feeling. You know. Duke, Louisville, Florida State, and Virginia are going to be your locks in still. Um, I will say this, you know, Virginia can't – they're going to get in, but they can't afford to be um, coasting at this point. Um, they should win out their ACC schedule left. Really, every team's only got about five games left. Um I think five max even at this point. I think most teams have like four left. I know Syracuse has four. I think UNC has four. Duke has four. Um, Florida State, man, you they're a very home-dominant team. They're right at pretty much 500. They're five and four on the road. Um, I mean, Syracuse took them really to the final, final minute down in Tallahassee. Over the weekend, um, you know, take what you want out of the Syracuse game with that. But you know, I, I Syracuse has been playing tough, but I just I don't I don't know, guys. My my orange bloodedness I think is keeping me in it longer than I should. But you never know. If that team gets hot in the ACC tournament, it might help them. Now, obviously, I was pretty high on Louisville. I still am. Um, you know, they're twenty-one and five overall, which isn't bad. 12 and 3 in the conference. They're tied with, well, technically they're a half game behind Duke. They're tied win wise. Um, you know, that Duke team, they're good. I don't know if they're a national title worthy good. It's, it's going to be a tough call there. That being said, a lot of people have been picking this dark horse team. I want to talk about them a little bit because they're in one of my favorite conferences to watch. Um, Dayton. Are they for real? Well, they are the only A-10 team ranked in the AP Top 25 coming in at 5th. So I can understand if there's a bit of hesitation to fully get in on them. I do understand that. But let me give you a few different facts here. The A-10 could realistically send 5 teams to the tournament. Um, My bet is probably... I'm going to say 3 for sure, that being Dayton... Rhode Island and Richmond. Um, if I had to put them in, I would. I don't think it's a question overall, at least in my mind. St. Bonaventure, I would put them in. They're on the bubble, I think, overall. Um, and then you could make really solid cases for Duquesne and VCU to get in. Um Personally, for me, I think VCU over Duquesne, despite what the record said, VCU's schedule is a bit tougher. Uh, tends to naturally be VCU is not a mid-major that's afraid to go out and punch above its weight class either. Um, 
but you know Dayton's won at home. They're they're undefeated on the road in conference play. Um, you know it, it's going to be interesting for for Dayton in my mind. Um, Obi Tippin looking like a really good NBA prospect. Um, not to get too far off, but obviously if he's in top ten draft projection rankings, I don't I, I don't think they're a fluke. I don't think he's a fluke. Um, it should be fun to, I think, watch on the stretch. I know at least locally here, NBCSN has a lot of the A-10 coverage. Tournament's in Brooklyn again this year, I believe. Uh, they're a fun little conference to watch. Um, I think Dayton's for real. Um, you know, but the, tournament-wise, you know, what do you mean by for real? And that's a fair question, a fair criticism to have. Um, I'd say for sure second weekend, you know, and it just depends, obviously, at that point where you are in the bracket. Um, cause for Dayton, you could, you know, the way the, the way the committee does that at all, Dayton, you could have them in any four of the, four of the regions, um, you know, for sure in East, for sure in Midwest, you know, they're, no, they're not, they're not quite as South probably as people think, you know, even though it's Dayton, Ohio, uh, but you know, you never know with the way the committee is. I, you know, if I'm. Found the committee, I think Dayton's the, a two seed, um, probably the third or fourth ranked one. Um, just gonna be hard to gauge, you know. They're unfortunately for them, um, they don't get the blinder test that I think people give Gonzaga a little bit. I'm not trying to bash Gonzaga, um, but I'd for I think I'd make the case that the A10 is a bit stronger than the West Coast. I mean, the West Coast. Probably only sending, well, well, they could send probably three for sure, maybe four. Um, but again, for the West Coast, you'll get, I mean, it's just, uh, I know it looks like we're having a, I don't know, we're back online, so that's good. Uh, I've been going in and out with internet here. Um, hopefully you're watching uh, that Geneva Waterloo game before here on Very Least One, because that was a really phenomenal game. Jim Senecropi and Kevin Sharp had the call on that. Uh, that's probably kind of, kind of what I talk about is this B1 sectional standings. They're heating up. Uh, they've been heating up. I should rephrase that. They've been heating up now for the past, I'd say, three to four weeks. Um, kind of all started with Waterloo going to Hornell and beating Hornell. And now since then, Hornell's dropped to the fifth seed in B1 with Geneva and Waterloo representing the Finger Lakes East up top. And this is the B1 is where you have a lot of the Finger Lakes East teams located at. Uh, obviously, Geneva Waterloo, but also you have Newark, Palmac, and Midlakes. Um, this is probably, I don't want I, I don't want to say probably. I think that's probably a little bit too far. But if I had a point to maybe one of the brackets that I'm looking forward to the most, B1 might be the one I'm looking forward to the most. Um because, you know, I've been lucky enough to see Waterloo now a few times, Geneva obviously a few times. Um, then you have schools like Greece Odyssey who always give you a good product out on the court. Um, you know, even though they're at the fifth seed, Hornell, you know, they were number one for a while for a reason, obviously up top in the standings. So that's, you know, another team that you have to look for. Obviously, Patavia is there. As well, and then you know, Newark can still cause you fits as well. And you know, they might not have had maybe the Finger Lakes East 
you know, game schedule and record that they had hoped for. But you never know once you get the sectionals. I mean, that's the beauty of these tournaments. Um, you know, saying in college, you know, one shining moment. Well, you might have a high school kid that has their one shining moment this year, and you just don't know who and you don't know when. Um, obviously, the big win tonight, Geneva coming back against Waterloo inside of uh, inside and behind enemy lines in Waterloo. Um Big win for them as they wrap up. Obviously, their Frank Lacey schedule. This was the last league date to get games in. I think Waterloo still has one more game against, I think it's Eugenio Maria uh, out of Rochester. You know, that being said, you know, the East ended up really coming down to Wayne again, and um, not too sure what the final was there. I know they are giving some updates during the game um, with that. Not watching most of it, I, you know, closing up at work, kind of get a little bit sidetracked, obviously, but uh, yeah, that winning team was fun to watch, but that Geneva team was a lot of fun to watch this year, too. I was able to call one Waterloo game, watch them in person once and live a couple different times on Mega Weeks 1 here. They're a fun team to watch as well. Um, got to call a couple newer games, and, you know, they're, they are, too, a fun team to watch. You know, so Fairlakes East... I'm going to call it as usual. I, I don't think much has changed since I was in high school in 2012. You know, we, we, we produce a lot of good little teams around this area still, all things considered. Um, what's coming up here? I'm very excited one for you guys coming up here in the next, uh, we'll call it the five days. Tomorrow night, uh, we are going to be live at the Jack Guyon Arena in South Seneca for the Lady Falcons. They host the Ramius Lady Warriors. Go live about 725 there for that. Dave Barnick on the call. Then on Sunday morning, 10 a.m., Jim Senecropi will be live in studio for the Upstate Hoops podcast. Sectional bracket tournament spectacular show. Looking forward to that. Um, we're going to get a lot of cool people in for that, hopefully. I know Kevin Sharp, I think, might be on with them, so... That'll be really cool to make sure you tune in for that. Um, kind of uh, his own, our own little uh, selection Sunday type show. Everything you want to know, everything you need to know, find it right there. Only minus obviously Charles Barkley just kind of meandering about the studio. But uh, I mean, not everybody can have a Charles Barkley. All right, let's move on to the last topic that I got for uh, you guys tonight. The never-ending saga of the Houston Astros. I'm kind of getting sick of talking about it, but literally it's giving us daily content at this point. Yet LeBron commenting on it now. So more or less what the main stuff going on there now has to do with Rob Manford, the commissioner. And I've never been a Manford fan. Um... You ask certain people, they think it's because of a certain radio host I listen to. It's not. Okay, this guy has floundered up a ton of different stuff since working in Major League Baseball. He messed up the A-Rod situation, steroid stuff in the mid-2000s. If he gets baseball, he's doing a really bad job of making it work. Um for instance, the World Series trophy is literally named the Commissioner's Trophy. For the Commissioner of Baseball to say it's just a piece of metal is a joke. Like, that alone should make him 
I mean, that should tell you all you need to know about him. Um, it's It sucks. And then he has the gall to say he's going to punish players who try and punish the Astros on their own. Like, dude, like, you're not going to be able to stop it. Like, I would love, part of me wants to see it. Every day there being an appeal on a suspension that that guy tries and lays down on a player because he, he didn't do it for the Astros because he said the union would go after him with the immunity clause he gave him and everything like that, which I get. I, we The people saying this, we aren't dumb. We know he's a lawyer. We know what he's been trying to do. But congratulations. Some of us who went to college and took a business law class know exactly what he's doing. But the same token, you can't, if you're him, you can't backtrack and say, but I'm going to punish the guys who throw at him. You're hiding behind an invisible meat shield, dude. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, good luck trying to enforce it. And then he tried to apologize today. And I, I haven't watched it yet. I don't know if I really want to. I, I just don't have it in me, I don't think, to watch it at this point. Um... Obviously, since then, we had what I'll call the fake apologies with the Astro players and Jim Crane. I don't know what to tell you guys, man, at this point. Like, it, it literally is going to be every team versus the Astros this year. Um, We literally have dogs and cats trying to unite forces. Like, like Yankees and Red Sox fans are... Yankees and Dodger, Dodger and Giant fans shouldn't all be agreeing like we are on this. Like, it's absurd to me, like, how cohesive of a unit we're all becoming against the Astros. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, the fact that you literally have players saying, and I, the best example, obviously, at this point is the Aaron Judge thing, where you have Bellinger saying that he got cheated, where you have the other players coming in saying, yeah, he did get cheated. Like, and then you have stuff today like Nick Marquez, Nick Marquez, who I love as a ball player. He's such an underrated talent in the game. Guy who is like I don't think has ever said a controversial thing in his life, where he said the Astros need a beating today. Like mind blown. Like the guys who like are historically quiet dudes, like are coming out and saying stuff is ridiculous to me. To the point that. Well, for one, I'm I'm very excited, obviously, for baseball season. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens. But two, like, I literally can't wait to see what materializes over the course of the year. Like, the Astros don't come to the Yankee to play the Yankees until September. Like, could you imagine an environment where they're gunning for a playoff spot? Like, they're in a tough spot, and the Yankees say they don't have anything to freaking lose for whatever reason. Like. Man, like that's KD bar to the door type, like malice at the palace like stuff I could see happening. It'll be an interesting year with that. Um obviously we'll have more stuff as we get going. Baseball spring training games start this Saturday start this week. I think one's like Thursday. But it's like a college a lot of college teams play pro teams. Something cool that I like seeing. Uh, but either way, I don't think Yankees first game is Saturday. I think Jay Hap's throwing that. So it would be pretty cool to see that and everything like that happen. All right, I went longer talking than I thought I was going to. Uh, admittedly, I feel like I haven't talked to that since I last uh, got to call a game here on Finger Lakes 1. Um, so either way, 
I really appreciate you guys coming in and tuning in. Uh, if you're listening at another time, I appreciate you for hanging around. If you've made it this long by myself, um, you know, obviously try to get some people it didn't work out. You know, it happens. Um, hopefully it doesn't happen again. You know, really trying to make this deal work out at this point. And, uh, we're doing the best we can with it. Uh, while we're still here. Um, that being said, next week, uh, with sectional games going on, not too sure what, where we'll be planted at podcast wise, if we are able to do one even next week. Uh, I know me and Nick will probably be somewhere depending upon where games are and when they are. Um, we may be, who knows? We might be in Wayne. We might be here in town. I don't know. For all I know, we could even be in, um, I'm trying to think of a random Finger Lakes town. Avon. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? So, um, I said that on because I really want some Tom Waltz, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> that being said, again, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Um, make sure if you haven't, like, share, and subscribe. Um, download the app, how I get a lot of news in the morning, so I appreciate it. And uh, we will catch you guys no matter what, whether it's this week or the week after, next time here on the Fresh Takes Podcast.